do I find it so hard when I know in my heart I'm letting you down every day letting you down every day this song is for all the ones living with regret let's go Why not give you a part two to Monday's episode? As a matter of fact, this song is for the ones who still haven't apologized to the ones that they hurt. I apologize, often womanized, took for my child to be born, see through a woman's eyes, took for these natural twins, to believe in miracles, took me too long for this song, I don't deserve you. I harass you out in Paris, please come back to Rome, you make it home. We talked for hours when you were on tour. Please pick up the phone, pick up the phone I said don't embarrass me instead of be mine That was my proposal for us to go steady That was your 21st birthday It's a problem when I have to get into my relationship bag But hey man, we got some things to get off our chest for this episode Especially with today's guest Y'all see the cover? You see the turtleneck? You already know what I'm on Let me let Ho finish what he's saying then we'll really start the show. You would love, and because I fall short of what I say I'm all about, your eyes leave with the soul that your body once housed, and you stare blankly in the space, thinking of all the time you wasted it on all this basic shit. So I apologize. So, ladies and gentlemen, today we are continuing our series of guests on Thursdays for bonus episodes. This is episode 75 of the Struggle Play podcast. And as you all know, I've been having guests on. And whenever I have guests, I let them choose songs that they're going to break down. But before I do that, I literally want to introduce this guest and just set the mood set the tone for a minute and this man coming all the way from the east coast we've had toronto cali jersey denver <laughs> and now we got somebody from the dmv now ladies and gentlemen please welcome alex brother thank you for joining me hey man i appreciate you having me yo yo y'all alex um this guy i see him you know, whenever I choose these guests, it usually comes off of where, how many social media platforms I see them on. <laughs> and for Alex, I don't see him just associated with one podcast. I see him associated with several joints. So please tell the world exactly <laughs> everything that you're involved with right now in this media space. Yeah, man. So uh, I'm the founder of Crossover Media. Uh, it, it's a it's a media company. We produce podcasts, YouTube videos, uh, just produce a lot of different content around sports, culture. Um, and so 
I've been a podcaster since 2017. I have a show called Lakers Central. I'm a big Lakers fan. Even though I'm on the East Coast, I've, I've been a Lakers fan the majority of my life. And so started a podcast called Lakers Central, picked up a lot of steam, um, guests from ESPN, and, and just, you know, got, got a bit of a re- recognition doing that. And then um, a couple of my friends found out I did it, and uh, we started talking about doing another show. So we started a show called Off the Record with three of my childhood friends. It's a show that covers pretty much everything from the black male perspective. Uh, and then uh, I started the crossover podcast, which is a 60 minute style show where I interview people from different walks of life one-on-one uh, and then just crossover media, the company itself, there's about 12 shows on the network. And um, Hey man, we're just pushing forward uh, and we're, we're trying to make, make some moves. You see that, y'all? You see that? The man got about three different different podcasts, his own business, his own company, different varieties. And what I love what you said about the black male perspective a lot, man, because I feel like sometimes, you know, that can be overlooked for the most part. You know, we just looked at something that's monolithic, you know. So I appreciate you for joining me, man. I really do. Yeah, most definitely. And he also went to an HBCU. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, hey, look, look, I'm not bad at it. Trust me. I'm out here in Denver, Colorado, in case you didn't know. And um, not only is it hard for me to find people who went to my to the same school that I went to, but yet alone just an HBCU in general. If you could just tell, you know, my audience exactly how has an HBCU made you a better person? attending one i should say yeah man i mean look i i grew up mostly around white folks and so um i always had a sense of who i was my grandparents made sure my mom made sure they knew that i knew who and what i was um and you know i when you grow up around a lot of white people um you know it's difficult not seeing others that look like you you know what I'm saying? Like that that's mm-hmm. difficult. So when I became an adult and um went off to college, you know, an HBCU that was an option for me. Uh and when I got down there to Shaw in North Carolina, you know, you go to an HBCU and you meet black folks from pretty much everywhere. Like yes. you cats from New Jersey and LA and Florida and Alabama. Um you know, but the one commonality is we all have black skin, right? Right. And so going to an HBCU, I met some people um, that, you know, to this day, God, it's been, I guess it's been now, I don't know, like 17 years, but like to this day, man, you meet folks back then and you still see them around if you do, or you see them on social media or whatever. And it's like, you develop a connection. At least I did. I developed a connection with a number of people that I went there with. And it was just nice, man. Like just seeing people that looked like me had, you know, people that had some of the similar experiences that I had. Um, it just helped ground me even further and become even, even more comfortable in my own blackness. And so, um, I, I, I enjoyed an HBCU. 100% man. So right now is the part where we do a little bit of icebreaker questions for the guests. So since you were just talking about your blackness, how do you define your blackness? Man, how do I define my blackness? So um, being unapologetic, mm-hmm. like by constantly thinking about those that came before me, especially my grandparents who made sure that um, I knew 
the color of my skin made me different from the majority of people in America, but mm-hmm. still be proud of that skin. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I further define it by also having a black wife. Mm. Like it was always important to me to marry a, a woman that was proud to be black as well. And, and, you know, projecting and protecting um, a united black front, considering I, our communities and our families are, are constantly under attack either, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, pretty much by everybody, right? We're, we're, you know, the way we're portrayed is always as a broken family. And so it was important for me um, to marry a black woman. And, you know, the beautiful thing about being black is that within our own culture, it's so diverse, right? And so black people, there's dark skinned blacks, brown skin, super light skin black. Like we, <laughs> we cover the full spectrum, man. And then not only that, like, you know, you could be, you know, black here in America, African-American. You could be from, from Haiti, Jamaica. You can be from Europe. You can be from a Latin country and still be black. Like, yes, it's, it's, we cover such a broad spectrum, man, that for me, you know, it, I've always just defined my blackness by just remembering those that came first and making sure that I'm proud of who and what I am. Most definitely, man. You know, it's funny uh, that you're saying when you first stepped on campus uh, in college, I remember the first day I stepped on campus and I I grew up in Chicago. So it was a very diverse neighborhood. I lived in a lot of Mexicans, uh, black folks, white people, you know, different kind of European, you know, descents. And I just remember I was just like, yo, it's so many different shades of black people that I've never seen like this before at all. You know, like you had your light skin, you had your dark skin, you had brown skin, but then you had your accents. You know what I'm saying? Then you had people who weren't just from the hood. You know, you had you had people from the suburbs or just a regular town or out of the country, you know. And yes, our skin is our one commonality. But at the end of the day, striving to be a better version of yourself is also a commonality that we all have as a people, you know? And uh, so I definitely resonate with what you said on that 100%, you know? Now, fun question that I have for you is, since we're in the thick of this pandemic, you know, second wave of uh, lockdowns, you know? Uh, I don't know how it is. How's it out there and um, where you're at? Where are you, where are you based out of right now? In Maryland, man, right out, right outside of Annapolis. Okay. Uh, um, and it, so, like, for me, I've, you know, I've been working from my home office now since March, since mm. I think like March 11th. And so, you know, me and my wife, we, you know, we don't have any children, it's just her and I. Um, and so we rarely see, you know, our siblings or parents. My, you know, my mom has passed away last year. So, like, you know, rarely see anybody at this point um, because of the current situation. And so, for, like when this first all happened back in March, man, it was getting serious. And I told a couple friends of mine, like, this is going to get worse. You know, there were people saying it'd be like a couple weeks. This won't last long. And I kept saying, it's going to get bad. It's going to get bad. Mm. It, you know, not that I want it to be right, but here we are, you know, closing out 2020, still in the thick of a pandemic. And it looks like we're going to be in this at least another six months until they can figure out what to do with the vaccine and all those things. And so um, it's taken its toll. Like, I'm, you know, for me, it's cool for me to be at home and my, you know, my wife is safe and that's important. I'm glad that we have a, we have a home, but um, you know, it, 
you, you've been in your four, four walls for eight, nine months and you're mm-hmm. looking at probably another four or five, six months, you know, but I had a manager tell me, man, um, in the early two thousands, long before, like I'm a homeowner now, before I owned a home and I was, I was early in my career and my boss back then was like, she didn't care if she didn't have any money to go out. She had her house and she was comfortable being inside her house because that's what she paid for. And so that's also like my approach right now with all of this. Like I'm blessed that we have a home, you know, we've got all the amenities that I think, you know, we, we could use. And also, man, like I, I grew up in the nineties, like, you know, pre, I grew up pre, um, pre-internet. So like nowadays you've got the internet, you've got text messaging, you've, you've got Skype, you've got all these to FaceTime. Yep. You had that 20, 30 years ago. So like nope. to me now, you know, those things make it easier, I think, to be quote unquote quarantine. But, you know, I'm just trying to get through it, man, like everybody else. Yeah. One quarantine question I do have for you. What's inside that fridge, man? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> so in the fridge right now, I mean, a couple things of juice, some chicken, some eggs. Some, <laughs> um, I think some salmon's in that joint. Um, I was about to say, we're not hungry. We're not hungry during this uh, second lockdown. Is we? <laughs> no, man. I, you know, I. that's one thing I made sure, man, that like, you know, we stay stocked up on food. You just, you never know when, you know, the governor here in Maryland is going to say, whatever like lockdown get, gets more restrictive and then people run into the store trying to buy everything up and so now nah, i try to make sure that we're we're good to go nah because i was in the grocery store over the weekend man and they started already putting caps you know and limits on the on the food you know the the and i thought a fight was about to break out the lady was like nah you you can't have that much bread and the homeboy almost lost his shit and i was like oh boy let me start looking at my uh, basket right now before before we start getting into some mess, man. Yeah. But nah, during these times, you know, we do learn how to be still and really learn how to think about what it is that we want and who we are. So let me ask you this. What's your life purpose right now? You know, man, like, it's funny. I'm still trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I believe that on like a fundamental level, it's to provide opportunity to someone else because I was given that opportunity by other black people to succeed. Mm. And so that's, that's kind of how I go about it, man. Whether it's like my real, you know, my, my day job, I'm a banker. I've been a banker for like 17 years. Um, so whether it's in finance or within podcasting or whatever it is that I'm doing, I fundamentally believe I'm supposed to provide an opportunity for somebody else. Mm. So that's what I try to do. Mm. Nah, that's that's good. That's real good. So the next question I have for you as we get into the two songs that you just that you decide to break down. Two songs, y'all. Two, two. We got a double whammy. So if somebody put a gun to your head and was just like, yo, you need to rap one verse to save your life, what would it be? <laughs> I was actually thinking about this, man. Um and I it I figured something like from Snoop or whatever, like from like Jenna Juice, with so much drama in it, OBC, and G, uh, somehow some keep coming up with that shit like every single day. Like I could, I, something like that in the early 90s, I probably would would, would go to. Oh man, what about, what about a song? Somebody say, yo, you got to belt one out right now and you got to sing it. Oh. 
Man, I can't sing. I wish I could. Because if I could sing, I'd be singing all damn day. I tell you that. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, well, you ain't got to sing it. Just tell me the song that comes to your mind first thing. Oh, my God, man. So probably something from Luther, Luther Vandross. Um, Bad Boy, Having a Party. I love that song, man. Um, something like that. But like I said, I don't sound nothing like Luther. So. No, nah, nah, you can't give me a house that's not a home. No. Nah. <laughs> not, um, not with the voice that I was, I was given. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. That's hilarious. Yo, so let's get into this breakdown, man. This guy gave me two. I asked for one. He gave me two, and I was like, fine, let's do it. I'm up for a challenge. I'm up for it. And since we are in the winter, it's cold outside, why not break down a song from the turtleneck god himself? <laughs> Mr. Donnell Jones with Where I Wanna Be. Baby girl, a message saying I'll be coming home. I'd rather be alone. She doesn't fully understand me. Cause I'd rather leave than to cheat. If she give me some time, I can be the man she needs. But there's a lot of lust inside of me. And we've been together since our teenage years. I really don't mean Heard about I need some time to be alone. But when you love someone, you just don't treat them bad. Oh, how I feel so sad now that I wanna leave. She's crying apart to me. How could you let this be? I just need time to see where I wanna be. Where I wanna be. Yo, so Alex, you chose this song, and I just know that whenever you're in a, we're in a room full of dudes, and this song comes out, I don't care, man. You either find a dude just nodding his head, or you know, quietly, you know, singing the words and closing his eyes. What is the story between you and this song? I mean, you know, music has a has a way of like taking you back to whatever you were doing or whatever was going on in your life at that time. I think music is one of the most, if not the most powerful medium. So like this song was released in 1999, man. I think I was a junior in high school at the time. Um, and I always liked it. It was dope. But it didn't really hit home until like I, I got serious with, with my, my girlfriend who is now my wife. So like, for example, um, this I was probably like around 25, so it would have been um, eight or nine years after that the song had originally come out or whatever. And um, you're 25 years old, um, you know, you're feeling yourself. At least I was feeling myself. And so <laughs> you you at that age you feel the pull of other women, right? And so like for people who aren't from um, you know the the DMV um, at that time. Like th this was, there was super clubs everywhere here. So like 
everybody probably I know nationally people might remember the club called Dream or um or Love what, what they end up changing the name to it or it was a club called H2O a club called Hammerjacks in Baltimore um we were out every weekend I was partying hard in my early 20s man and so you feel this pull of other women and I remember um thinking to myself like okay she checks every imaginary box right like she loves me she's supportive my family loves her her family loves me she's educated and dedicated and um clearly going places and she's bad <laughs> and <laughs> like i'm having this like conversation with myself like all right man like do you do you want to be serious and see this through or you want to run the streets you know what I'm saying? So this this would have been the mid two thousands, early two thousands when all this was going on. And so that's why like, you know, when you asked me for a song, this was this was one that that really jumped out at me. Mm, so we talking throwbacks, uh headbands, wristbands, <laughs> for no do rags with the headbands. <laughs> but see, it back then, man, like I remember this was also around a time when like Jay Jay Z was wearing you know Air Force Ones and button ups. Yes, and so like <laughs> rocking button ups. It, it was a it was a fun time, man. <laughs> oh man! So what was the um like? What is like? If you could describe this song in one word, what would it be? Powerful. Mm. Why powerful? Because it, for me, it made me think. It really made me think, man, like on where you want to be. What do you want to do? <laughs> yeah, like like one hundred percent, man. Like, and you know, when you're young, you have this idea in your head that like you're supposed to keep either running the streets or you're supposed to have all this fun. And you can still have fun within a relationship, man. And so you don't really know when you're gonna meet the quote unquote the one. You know what I'm saying? You never know. You, you could be at twenty five, it could be at forty five. You don't know. But at whatever age it may be, you have to ask yourself, like, all right, if this person could be it and I choose not to go along with it and I choose not to see it through, like, what's waiting on the other side? Like, going out to the club every weekend and not, like, you still can go out and have fun, but, like, you're you're essentially giving up something that's important for the unknown. Like these, you know, these chicks that are at the time, you know, chicks that were at the club or chicks that were coming to my job and, you know, be interested in me or, or like, you don't know them from anything else. You have no idea where that's going to go. And so, yeah, man, I think the song is powerful. Oh, man. You hear that, y'all? We're talking to a mature black man. All right. He, you know, he, you know, for most people from who I know who listens to this song, they immediately start going back to the dirt that they did. But nah, this man said he was at a fork in the road and he had to choose, all right? There's no remorse because that's what I hear when I hear this song. Hella remorse, shit ton of regret, you know. But this man flipped the perspective and used it to the betterment, you know, for not just his woman, but for himself. Bravo, brother. Bravo. Bravo. Hey, hey man, I, I appreciate it. You Listen, you mentioned regret. You only have regret when you think you ended up making the wrong decision. And I felt like I made the right decision because now it's been 14, you know, 14 years later. And like, I don't know if I, the women who are around at that time, like I don't, I couldn't imagine them being in my life now. Like the woman I married, 
she's the she was the one that was supposed to be in my life. So I'm appreciative of that. Look at that. Look at that, man. You hear that? Black love, y'all. Look at get Black this man. love, man. <laughs> put this man on own, please. Get this man to get this, put this man on hey, own. Oprah, give me a check. I'll take yo, a check. Yo, Oprah, Oprah, <laughs> Ava, somebody. Come on, look. Oprah will give you a season. She'll at least give you a season, bro. Don't trip. <laughs> He'll definitely give you a season. But nah, um, this song, like you said. When you think of regret, um, it's obviously because you feel like you made the wrong choice. And there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of power in this song. There's a lot of vulnerability in this song. You know, Donnell, you know, Jones, he's somebody who, like most great R&B singers, some people don't even know that this was off of his second album. And before that, uh, the first album didn't really do that well. And he was co and he was writing for Usher. You know, like most great songwriters, uh, R&B artists do. They start off as writers and then they progress. And man, I would say that my favorite moment from this song is obviously the chorus, right? Because you hear him, you feel like he's crying. You know what I'm saying? You just want to sit there in the rain with a turtleneck, you know what I'm saying? I'm sorry, I keep going back to the turtleneck because that's all I think about uh, when I hear this band. But seriously, I think, you know, somebody would used to tell me that uh, men don't realize uh, the mistakes they made till it's done, till it, you know, till they already made it and whatnot. And um, I don't think that's necessarily true, but I do know that this is a, this song gives a lot of vulnerability that you don't often hear all the time from men. And, um... Have you, and I know as men, we're not really taught, you know, really the fundamentals on how to be vulnerable and how to express ourselves. How has that been for you, you know, just growing up or throughout life on learning how to be vulnerable? Like, I mean, look, we're not taught to be vulnerable, right? Like, and not only are men in general not taught to be vulnerable, but, um, it's often seen as a sign of weakness and specifically uh -huh. for black men. Um, I don't, you know, like I didn't know my dad growing up. So my, you know, I was raised by my grandparents until I was 15 and then I went to live with my mom. But like my grandfather um, is the model black man for me. You know, uh -huh. he, was, he, he was married to my grandmother, his high school sweetheart um, until she died. You know, they had five kids. He took care of his wife and his children then my mom, you know, she got pregnant and had me and then, you know, they helped her with me or whatever. Um, he was a hard worker. Like he's the model for me, but you know, I never saw him, you know, I never saw him cry or like no, nothing like that. And so it's not really taught. It's not really, you know, you're not really um, told to kind of open yourself up like that, but I think it's important to do so 
because you oftentimes you, as a man, you bury all that stuff in, down deep and, you know, you put other stuff on top of it to bury it, whether it's, you know, alcohol or drugs and look, Matt, I'm a scotch man. So I love me a drink. I've got a bar full of scotch downstairs. So I'm not saying as wrong to drink or anything like that. <laughs> um, you know, we, but we bury our, our stuff under, under other things and other people do it too. But I'm sp- speaking specifically for black men cause I'm a black man. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we bury that stuff. Um, but like, so my wife is a, um, a mental health therapist right now. She's a licensed clinician. She went to school for it. She has her own company. And so, you know, as, as I, long before she became um, a mental health clinician, like there were things that I struggled with that I didn't even realize I struggled with. Right. So like um, I met my dad when I was 17 and I didn't see him again until I was, I was 27, I think. And um, I always felt like, no, I'm, I'm good. Like I had my grandfather, my grandfather was a great guy. He is a great guy. He's still alive. But then I later found out that like, I was still bothered by the fact that my dad was never there. Like that stuck with me and I didn't realize it. My grandmother who, you know, like a lot of people, I think you have one mother. I'm blessed that I had two, my mom who I lost last year, but my grandmother who I lost when I was 17 and my grandmother treated me like, like they had five kids. She treated me like I was her sixth child. And, um, there, when she died, I carried a lot of pain from that too. And I didn't even realize it, man. Like you just, you don't, you, you keep ticking, you keep going, going about your day because you really don't have a choice, particularly as a black man. So I, you know, I, with my wife, when we were dating and then when we got married, like at a certain point, I started to open myself up more about like things that were bothering me, things that I didn't even realize were bothering me. And I started connecting the dots. And, and for me, it just helped. Like one, it helped having somebody be supportive that wasn't going to be like, oh, you're weak as a man because you're still upset about your grandmother to die 20 years ago or that, you know, because you didn't meet your dad because as a black person, a lot of us oftentimes don't know our fathers, right? Like that's not, that's not right. But um, it's important to open up, man, because you can end up exploding one day and I even realize it. Yo, it, it, it happens all the time. You know what I'm saying? Even for kids, you know, in the public school system at that, you know, they write them off as special ed when they're just really depressed and, you know, because they having a hard time at home, you know, no matter what situation that looks like, you know, and um, I love the song that you chose personally because it means like everything um, to me in terms of, in a sense, I feel like he's speaking for a lot of dudes who don't know what to say, you know? So what does this song mean to you? Um, you, you know what, man? Like, it, so on one level, it, it, it just means that I made the right choice, right? Like when I was, when I was, when I would hear this song and I was thinking about like my life moving forward and what, I'm, what my next steps were gonna be, you know, specifically when it come to, came to my relationship, mm-hmm. um, the song allowed the song painted a picture, but also had a music video. So like you're, you're watching this, you're listening to it. <laughs> yeah. Like it basically paints a picture for you in a way that, or for me, in a way that maybe I wasn't able to see specifically within my own relationship. And so like I'm watching Donnell go through the motions of 
you know, uh, he's struggling with whether he wants to be with this woman or be with somebody else. You see his, his woman in a video crying. You see him in the bed with another woman. Like, it just makes you start thinking like, did I want my wife or, you know, at the time my girlfriend, do I want her to be at home crying, wondering what I'm out there doing or wondering if I want her or, you know, like you have to be considerate of somebody else's feelings. And so, um, it, it was a heck of a song, man. It still is a heck of a song. Ooh, so what's your favorite uh, lyric from the song? Like that one part that you just like, you know, scream out loud by yourself, you know, with nobody looking. Um, if she gives me some time, I can be the man she needs. But there's a lot of lust inside of me. And we've been <laughs> together since our teenage years. I really don't mean to hurt her, but I need some time. That. Give me some time, I can be the man she needs But there's a lot of lust inside of me And we've been together since our teenage years I really don't mean to hurt her But I need some time to be alone Oh, how bad that's the part right there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> she gives you some time. God, hell. That's how, I mean, you're young and like you, I don't, when you're, when you're, when you're a younger man, like you feel like you've got all this time, right? You, like you, you look at life like, okay, I've got a hundred years. And the truth is you really don't like tomorrow isn't promised for anybody. Right. And so now also, let me be clear. It's easy for me to be this introspective at 39. <laughs> Looking back when I was like 25, I wasn't as introspective back then. But like, you know, like the lyrics, like if she gives me some time, I can be the man she needs. And the question is, well, how much time is she supposed to give you? Like, that's the question, right? Mm -hmm. And even if she gives you the time, there's still no guarantee that you're really going to be the man that she needs, right? Mm. Or frankly, the man that you need to be, mm. not just because of a woman, but mm. just because of you as an adult trying to navigate your way through this world, right? So, yeah, man, those bars, those lyrics, <laughs> they serious. <laughs> Yo, so let me um, ask you this, since you're a married man. Uh, if you could tell men one thing about a common misconception about marriage, what would that be? Oh my God, man. Um, marriage does not suck. Mm. Like it doesn't suck. She's not going to take your freedom away. You Ooh. can still play video games if you want. You can still oh. hang out with your friends if you want. Like, let me, let me, let me tell you something, man. Like my wife, um, like just the other day, I was talking to her about the PS5. I was thinking like, you know, I'm trying to debate between the PS5 and, and the um, Xbox. Um, I think it's called X, the new system, mm -hmm. Series X. And she was like, I want you to get both, right? Like it isn't, well, you shouldn't get one or you, you're too old to be playing video games. It was just get both, right? Mm. Um, I, I'm a big Lakers fan. And literally before you and I jumped on here, um, the LA Kings hockey team, they released they're they're releasing this this hockey jersey, but it's in the color Lakers the Lakers colors purple and gold. Mm. And I and it's I'm not a hockey fan, but the jersey is dope. And I haven't had a hockey jersey since I was like a teenager. And I was like, I might grab this thing. She's like, get it. Like 
there is a misconception, I believe, that like you get married and you somehow give up like who you are. And when you when you decide to get married, or you know, when you decide to get engaged, if you have to give up any piece of you, then you probably shouldn't be getting married. Oof. Like that's the that's the truth. Like you both there are things that have to change. Like, so like my wife is my number one priority, mm-hmm. I, you know, my mom, when she was alive or my siblings or any, like my wife is, and that's okay. Right. Like there are things that change. I do have to be considerate of, all right, well, I, I, do I need to be at my homeboy's house at two in the morning, you know, hanging out? I don't know. I you have to be considerate of, of, of her feelings, but there is a misconception that I've seen like before I got married, I heard a lot of complaining about marriage or complaining about what, like, for example, I always heard that like men were the ones that made all the sacrifices, not women. And maybe that's true in some relationships, but I've always felt like one, I'm blessed that I have a a really cool wife. Secondly, I think that, like I said earlier, man, if you've got to give up any piece of you, then you probably need to evaluate your relationship before you decide to do something as serious as getting married. Because once you're married, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess you could always get a divorce, but who the hell wants to go through that? Right, like once you get married, it's really hard to. When you when you get married and you're in it, it's really hard to change expectations. Now people are gonna change. Who you marry may not very well be the person that that you marry ten years later. Like there's just this natural change, man. But like, that's a long winded way of me saying like, marriage is not whack. I frankly I enjoy it. <laughs> like, my wife is dope, and I think that there's a lot of brothers out there that probably have dope wives also. But typically, you just hear about the men who are willing to complain about their wives more than the men who are willing to celebrate their wives. So. Mm. Okay, so I'm so I'm ask this: What would you tell women <laughs> about about a common misconception of marriage? Because that was great what you said for men, but you know, I, I'm, I'm asking for women on the other hand because I have three older sisters. You feel me? Um, grew up in a house full of women, so. You better not be, you better not, did you say, <laughs> you know, you ought to be, so no resentment towards them, you know what I'm saying, I'm, I'm cool now, but what would you tell women, you know, about a common misconception about marriage? Um, so I would probably say that like, you know, you're a woman and you decide to, you know, you met a man, you, you decide to get married, your husband is not your father, nor is he your son. And what I what I mean by that is shit. Wait, 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 wait. Yo, damn. Say that again. I'm sorry, damn. You just whew, that was gunshots right there. Oh man, my bad. Go ahead. Now your your husband is not your father nor is he your son. Mm. And what I mean by that is, man, like if you were blessed to have your dad in your life as a woman, you know, if he treated you like a princess or whatever, the way he treated you um, is not the exact way your husband's going to treat you, nor should it be because your father is, is treating you that way from a different perspective, right? Like you're, you're of him, you came from him and, and your mom, he watched you from the time you were a baby up until you're an adult. You know, if your father bought everything for you and you never had to ask for anything or never had to want for anything, that's what parents do. Mm. On the flip, 
your husband, his role or your, your, you know, your boyfriend, fiance, and then your husband, like their role is not to do everything your parent, your father did. So like I said, if, if, for example, if your father bought your car when you were 16, that doesn't mean that you need to look for a man who's, who has a, who's in a position to buy you a car when you're 30 or whatever, like you need to level set. And I think that oftentimes people don't do that. Like you judge it by, you, you know, we're always judged by our parents or by somebody else's parents. I think, you know, sometimes there are women who, well, my father did this and that. So my husband should, your husband can be a great provider, but in a different way than what your dad would be. Because again, he's your husband, not your father. You're, and then the flip of that, you know, your husband's not your son. You don't have the right to tell anybody what to do. So I don't tell my wife what to do. You know, I married somebody that I think has the capacity to think of me when she makes her own decisions. There are things we talk about. There are things that we run by each other, but like, I don't tell her what to do. And the same is said for, for women, like you, you, you don't tell your husband what to do. If they are concerned, you voice them, you talk about them, you do all the things you're supposed to do in a relationship. But like, you know, your husband isn't a 12 year old. Like, I think that that part is important. Like, you know, you, you can't boss people around and not that all women do that because I know all women don't. Um, but you can't act like, you know, your decisions every, and everything that you want to do should be top of mind or should be the way the house is run and not, you know, your husband. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Uh, and you, you shouldn't be shouting at people, yelling at them, talking down on them. Like, you're not there to discipline a grown man. And if you have to discipline a grown man, then that's not the right man to be with. And that goes both ways. So. Yikes. That was, that was bars on top of bars on top of bars. I, I appreciate that perspective, you know, and some people, when they realize that, you know, and they're knee deep into a relationship or a marriage, sometimes they can get stuck. And it's unfortunate because clearly Donnell's stuck in this song, you know, especially when he says, you know, do I stay? Do I leave? You know, like what what do I do? Because now he's realizing all of the pain, all of the hurt that he's caused and he's stuck. Literally, he says, do I stay? Do I leave? Do I go? Never did I you would play a major part in a decision that's so hard. Do I leave? Do I stay? Do I go? Or think about my life and what matters to me the most. Sometimes you will have to end it. Like you just said, that person may not be it for you and it'll hurt. But eventually, if you learn how to make peace with that and accept that, then you will start healing and you know that's what he's basically telling this woman Girl, the love that we share is real but in time your heart will heal i'm not saying i'm gone but i have to find what life is like without you You know, <laughs> during this song, who he's like, yo, like, 
I still want to get back out in these streets. You know, don't worry about it. You'll get you'll get over it. I love you, but this is just not it. And that pain, you know, can sometimes can stick, but it really all depends on the amount of work that you're doing to yourself and for yourself to get out of it. You know, and that's how I'm gonna get into the second song that you chose. Uh, <laughs> you know, take a talk talk about a you know a hard left turn because we're going from you know nice slow ballad to a club banger. But is this really a club banger? If you think if you're out at three in the morning, you know you're drunk and you know you're. You're dancing fast, but you feel like you're moving slow and you're dancing your pain away. So the second song that Alex chose was Dance My Pain Away. Dance my pain away. I got problems. Dance my pain away. I got problems. story bill collectors on me have to file bankruptcy need some help from somebody the bills are stacking up i'm desperate to make a buck i played the lottery today won't you please wish me i'm gonna dance my pain away i got problems dance my pain away i got problems I can't lie. <laughs> when I first heard this song, when I when I listened to the song that you sent me, because you sent me both of the songs, and I was like, all right, Donnell Jones, cool, bet I can do that. Because that's what I do on this podcast. I literally just break down like R&B and hip-hop songs, you know, really focusing on pain. And they're usually slower ballads, you know what I'm saying? Unless if it's a Meek Mill type joint. But this right here, this is just like on some, you know, like... Hole in the wall, you know, you're in, you're in town, you know, you, you're in the DMV for one night and you're dancing the pay the way. Laid off the day, what you think wifey gonna say? I'll just have to hope and pray. Rain, rain, go away. The repo man just hit me. Can't get from A to B. Fake friends around me. Lord, won't you help me? Now I'm on my tippy toes, face down, eyes closed, dancing to this melody. So please, won't you sing a song? Pain. But then I had to put myself in the in the mindset. And I don't like, even mean that. If just I in was drunk like in and high in a club and I'm this song came on, this would be my shit like just too. Within our <laughs> so what does this song mean to you? Good time, we singing and dancing, because um, we're very rhythm people. So the reason why this song came to my man is because like I, I think I was in my early twenties and like I was living in my mother's basement. I was working a full time job, thinking, but I was like I didn't really have any money, and um i was just i was just man so i was on my way to a club in the that night uh but it was called the avenue i was headed to a friend's house and this song come i'm like i'm gonna dance paint tonight and um go to my friend's house club in dc and that night uh i got so drunk man that we left dc at like three four in the morning um, we get back to my friend's house and for some odd reason, I thought I'd be capable of driving home, which I was. So what ended up happening was I left my friend's house, literally made it up the street, pulled over, slipped in a car. Um, four hours later, 
window and she was like, you've been parked here for a long time. Something wrong. I said, oh, I, I, you know, I've been drinking a lot. I just pulled over to go to sleep. Um, she said, well, you can't stay here. I said, well, my friend's house is literally like right there. Can I go to my friend's house? She said, yeah. So I go back to my friend's house and I go back in um, my homeboy's bedroom. He wasn't home. His sister was there and I think somebody else. So I go back in my homeboy's bedroom and went, went to sleep. Um, so the next day I wake up and my cell phone has all these messages and people are like looking for me. I was supposed to work the following day. So this was a Friday night, I was mm. supposed to work Saturday, but I gotten so drunk, man, that like, I, I, I couldn't go anywhere. So I went to sleep and I woke up like four o'clock in the afternoon the next day. And his sister was like, were you back there all night? And I was like, yeah, like no one knew I was back there, man. But <laughs> anyway, just that song, it came on, man. And I, you know, I was just like, yep, I'm going to just have a great time tonight. That's awesome. That is that is a hell of a story. Let me tell you something. So you were that gone, huh? I don't even know what it was, man. Like I think I got off work at like seven thirty, went straight to my own boy's house, and then um, like me, his sister, and somebody else drove down to the avenue, um, in D.C. and and I don't even know what I was drinking at the time. Like I I can't even remember. It was just, I was so gone. We got back like all night. Yo, it, it's it's amazing how certain songs, you know, can, you know, bring a certain memory, you know, back to us. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can, I can tell you exactly where I was when I heard Kanye West through the wire, you know, for the first time, you know, growing up. Growing up in Chicago, literally just riding in the back seat of Lakeshore Drive and hearing it on the radio nonstop. And uh, next thing you know, that same day, <laughs> you know, just chilling at my grandma's crib or how I can think of a certain album. And it brings me back to a certain, you know, time in my life where I was just literally dead broke. And literally, that's why I started this whole podcast, because that's literally what music, you know, has been for my entire life. And... When I listen to this, obviously, I hear somebody who really can't sing that well, if we're just being honest, you know, but <laughs> I don't know if he's playing around or if he's just like giving it his all, you know, but he is literally singing his ass off. And I can just imagine seeing people just, you know, singing along to this shit. And you gave me exactly that. So <laughs> I appreciate this wholeheartedly. I, I really do. So now that we're at the end of the sh uh, episode, this is the end of the breakdown where we broke down two of these songs. All the songs, you know, that you'll be hearing on this episode will be in the bio description. Um... Alex, I do appreciate you for joining me, man. Uh, before we go, if you could please just give off all of your socials and where the people can find you. Yeah, man. So, I, one, thank you for having me. This was a fun, fun conversation. I really appreciate being here. Um, <laughs> no problem. Follow me on 
you can follow me on Twitter at Alex Holling. Um, follow, I mean, any of my channels on Twitter at Crawl5. That's the media company. If you're a Lakers fan, you can follow Lakers Central 365. We're on YouTube. Just search Lakers Central. Uh, you know, on Facebook, search Lakers Central or Crossover Media. Um, same thing on Instagram, Crossover 365 or Lakers Central 365. So Crossover and 365. Crossover 365 and um, mm-hmm. the Record Podcast, man, with my three co-hosts, three guys I grew up with, man. Check them out uh, as well, off the record. I think it's OTR underscore pod on Twitter. Now that's the one that I listen to and that I'm a fan of. So y'all check all of that stuff out. Please check it all out. Yo, this this guy's about to make me uh, read some Frederick Douglass, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's some 48 laws of power in the way of the superior man, you know, I might have to you know, go back into the library with this uh, knowledge that he's giving me. Yo, I appreciate it, brother. I really do. Hey, this was dope, man. I wish wish you much success. This this was a ton of fun. y'all that's the end of the show man look at that two songs mm. two episodes in one week Doug on mondays guest on thursdays let's see if this experiment works man mm. yeah man we don't stop baby we don't stop we unloading the clip So I'll see y'all on Monday. <laughs> I know. Crazy right now. Oh, how I feel so sad. Now that I wanna leave. She's crying.